Hello, friends. Welcome to Mr. Rewatch, the Mr. Robot Recap Show, brought to you by a stand-up comedian and a depressive hacker. I'm Devlin. And I'm Erin. What are you up to? What am I up to? Um, well, actually, I was like, this might be interesting for listeners of this show, so I'm working on, um, I'm touring my comedy a little bit this oh, yeah? summer. Are you trying anything new? I'm actually trying this new piece. I've only done it a couple of times, but where uh, I actually am using uh, speech-to-text software. That sounds interesting. How do you incorporate that into your comedy? Well, so I started off um, where I'm doing this part where I talk about how uh, we're automating a lot of jobs now. So it's only <laughs> yeah. a matter of time until comedians are also obsolete. <laughs> That's a pretty good statement, actually. I think so. And then, of course, I need to get a point in where I'm like, do you ever notice how like all of them have women's names, all these robotic helpers? That's right. I never <laughs> thought about that. Right? Neither did I until I heard Alexa. Alexa and Siri. I think there there's still are female voices. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of like a, a ship where it just like has a female name just because it's like uh, personified that way, I guess. Oh, it's true because there's also libraries use Heather. Heather is a speech to text reader. <laughs> wow. Maybe they're all, it's like car, cars and ships are, are women. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. And so Ineffectively. Then, what's that? Ineffectively. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, then I actually use the speech-to-text software to deliver part of my material. That sounds cool. It's cool. It's tricky because it's like, I mean, stand-up comedy is very lo-fi medium. Mm -hmm. um, so it's tricky to kind of get the timing. And then the audience also, of course, is kind of nervous about what's going to happen. But I'm at a Fringe Festival, and so you can kind of get away with experimental stuff there. Sounds cool. I think so. I'll tell you how it goes. I look forward to it. In a future episode. <laughs> what about you? Um, are you? Have you like seen any cool movies? Listen to any good records or anything lately? Well, I'm really excited to go see an Against Me show uh, later this year. Uh, I really enjoyed their album Shapeshift with me. All right, so this is actually, so this is the recap of episode one. So this is the pilot episode for the series. And I really love this episode. Actually, the opening scene is one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. It's amazing. And uh, so we see Elliot. So Elliot's our protagonist. And right now we don't know very much about him. But he's in a coffee shop. And he decides he's going to talk to the owner because this coffee shop has uh, inexplicably good Wi-Fi. <laughs> Better than you'd expect from a cafe. Exactly. Like, if you've ever tried to use the Wi-Fi in a coffee time, uh, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, and so you love this scene, too. Yeah. I really enjoyed this scene because I think that it did a good job of establishing uh, the credibility of the show very early in the series. They make reference to all kinds of things like um, the onion rooting protocol is something that he mentions, which is actually real technology. Which uh, I was a bit confused about it, an onion blossom. <laughs> uh, so as you, you've already figured out who, uh, who the hacker is and uh, who the comedian is. <laughs> but, uh, so, okay, so what is the onion rooting mode? Oh yeah, so the onion rooting protocol is um, software that does exist in the real world. It's used by real people. And um, it's kind of uh, a network of nodes where whenever one person connects from their client to a server that's somewhere else in the world, it has to go through three separate proxy servers. So you have the entry node, the relay node, and the exit node. And it makes it very difficult to establish where traffic is coming from because when you see somebody connecting to your server, you see them coming from the exit node. 
So to find out who that person was, you would need to track down the exit node, and then the relay node, and then the entry node, and then you'd be able to find the person who was behind all of that traffic. And this is important to Ron, or Rohit, which is his given name, <laughs> uh, because as we quickly learn, uh, Rohit's real sketchy. Yeah, yeah. He operates a website that makes reference to a, a real website that was actually compromised by the FBI. One thing I find really interesting about this scene is because, so we know obviously right away that Elliot ha has like a very high level of proficiency with all this stuff. But what I really like is like he's also got uh, people smarts. Yeah, that's something that we really come to see uh, Elliot do a lot throughout the season. He's not only very good with computers, but he's also very good with people. Uh, what he's called is a social engineer because not only does he work with computers, but he has a really good ability to figure out what motivates people and figure out exactly what they're trying to do and how he can exploit those tendencies to his own advantage. He knew right away that Ron had some kind of uh, nefarious motive. So we see that he has hacked the Wi-Fi network and he's able to see that Ron's laptop is connected to an entry node in the torrent network. As he says, uh, because he also controls the exit node, he's able to correlate the traffic going into the entry node and out of the exit node at the same time. The, the attack that he pulls off is, is technically sound, but it's only ever happened once. It's very, very expensive and it costs millions of dollars. So it's not really practical that uh, Elliot would have pulled it off. But like I was saying, it does a good job of establishing the show's credibility. Right, and I think what I like about it is like what I need to do is I need to, at this point, trust Elliot knows what he's doing. <laughs> and what Elliot does is he uncovers that unfortunately this is like a child pornography website. Yeah. Right, so there's like, but in talking to Rohit, he has a lot of, it's weird because he almost has like a hostage negotiator empathy for him, <laughs> like where he'll be like, I understand you. You know, you're right. Yeah, Elliot really reveals a lot about himself in this opening scene. We get to understand kind of how he is as a person. Yeah, because he's really like a, like, I don't know what he is. I don't know if he's like vigilante Elliot or if he's like confronter <laughs> Elliot here, but he's really like, he kind of brings this dark secret to Ron and he even empathizes with him so far as he says, you know, I understand that you're different. I'm very different yeah. too. And that's important to us because I think so much of this show, we're going to get into this as we go along, is about him feeling very separate and apart from the people around him. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that he might be a vigilante hacker and um, we kind of see a bit of this because Ron asks him, he assumes that he's being blackmailed. He assumes that Elliot has all this information on him and maybe he wants money or he's going to go to the police or something like that. But that's not actually what happened, is it? No, because, so this actually, this is my favorite moment in the whole episode. <laughs> so Rohit's trying to head this off and so he's like, uh, I'll give you the money, like I'll pay you, I'll do whatever you want. And then Elliot says to him, you know, well that's where you're wrong. I don't give a shit about money. <laughs> so Elliot is a vigilante hacker by night, but by day he's a cybersecurity engineer who works at a company called Allsafe. One of his responsibilities is to protect a big company called eCorp, which he has uh, some reservations about, but we'll get to that later. Uh, today he finds out that they've been hacked, actually, and the first thing he says is that he thinks it's awesome. Right, winning uh, lots of love from the boss at <laughs> that moment. So in this episode, because it's a pilot, we're introducing a lot of people to you, right? This is like Meet the Family episode. So uh, Gideon, who's his boss, is obviously not impressed uh, that Elliot thinks this is so awesome. Uh, and we also meet Angela, and all we really know about her right now is that they're like very old childhood friends. And we meet her boyfriend. And we meet her boyfriend, her overshadowing bro boyfriend, who I hate instantly. <laughs> Why? I, I hate his face, I think. <laughs> very punchable. <laughs> it's very punchable. Um, and it's funny because 
he's the, the conversation between him and Angela. She doesn't talk that much, but he's kind of trying to push Elliot away from her. Because mm -hmm. you can tell that he realizes they have a relationship already. Exactly. And so, you know, there's nothing more suspicious to me than a boyfriend who pushes away all his girlfriend's friends. And then he's try also trying to like ingratiate Elliot. Mm -hmm. And so they have this like awkward bro chat. And then he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, I forgot your no touching. <laughs> That's definitely one of my favorite parts of that scene. I, uh, I agree with Elliot's no touching thing. Just... <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> so after work, we see Elliot at the therapist's office, a place that most stand-up comedians are familiar with. But uh, we know that uh, Elliot's not there by choice. So they don't really say why he's been mandated to be there, but you know that um, the therapist makes a reference about like he's been ordered to. Mm -hmm. So it's not by his choice. Um, and what's interesting here is so we've already had Elliot set up to be kind of this like authoritative figure, but here they start undermining that in certain ways. Like he believes he's being followed and she asks him if his delusions are coming back. Um, and he says, and uh, there's also some mention of like some substance use stuff that's out there too, right? So they're starting to present that like maybe this guy has some cracks that we don't know about. Um, so the most interesting question I think the therapist asks him, and one I wish maybe a therapist had asked me at some point, is she says to him, what is it about society that disappoints you so much? And I think you have some insight into his answer. That's a question that definitely gives a lot of people a lot to think about. Um, <laughs> he responds to that by just digging into Steve Jobs, which is something that's always great to see. He talks about how um, Steve Jobs made a lot of money involving uh, practically sweatshop labor, about how Lance Armstrong won a bunch of awards while secretly doping. And um, it kind of just reveals that he has a deep cynicism about society. And he kind of doesn't believe in heroes. He, he realizes that everybody who has um, any kind of virtue also kind of has a dark side. Right. And I think, and he caps it off. So most of this is happening in his head. Um, but he caps it off by saying, fuck society. And that's going to be important to you, listeners. So uh, just tuck that up into the dome somewhere. And, uh, and we're going to come back to it. All right, so, well, one thing we know by the end of this scene is that Elliot has also done his homework about the therapist. And so he's hacked her. And so for someone who maybe doesn't understand how this stuff works, I mean, how, how would he get into her accounts like that? Uh, well, we've established from the scene with Ron that Elliot is already a very capable social engineer. So he could do something like send them a phishing email, like an email that looks like um, a, a legitimate service, and ask them to type in their password. That's a really easy way to hack somebody in a very targeted fashion, but that's not what he does. Elliot uses a very simple kind of brute force technique. He uses a program that's probably either John the Ripper or Hashcat or something like that, and he just tests thousands and thousands of passwords as fast as he can until he finds out that their password is their favorite musician in the year they were born in. That's very, very simple. So if a person has a password that's that easy to crack, it's very easy to hack them. And once you've got into their email accounts, you can get access into everything else as well. We find that Elliot has looked into her um, online dating accounts, into her Facebook accounts, and at this point he basically knows everything about her. Obviously the program choice must be Hashcat, don't you think? <laughs> That'd be my choice. <laughs> Which you probably said for technical reasons, and I said because it has a funny cat related name. <laughs> so now we're back at the office. Um, and here, this isn't a big scene, but we do have a couple of characters introduced that are going to prove pretty important to us as we go on. So the first person that I, we want to flag for you is Terry Colby. Right. Terry is uh, an executive at E Corp who's visiting Allsafe because of all of these recent hacks. He's trying to figure out what's going on there, if there are any systemic problems. 
Um, they do a good job of demonstrating to us that Terry is really more of a businessman than a, a technical executive. We see him walking around with a big uh, Blackberry clipped onto his belt. And um, the person who we meet who is a little more interesting, in my opinion, is um, Tyrell Wellick. Tyrell walks up behind Elliot and notices that he's running a Linux distribution using the GNOME desktop environment. So he thinks that only somebody who really knows their stuff would be running Linux like that. Right. And what I like about this, I mean, I thought you were very gracious when you said they tried to show Terry Colby as a businessman, because he comes off as kind of a buffoon, right? I consider those to be synonyms. <laughs> but what Tyrell is kind of insinuating, because then he also talks about how he's also using like a niche Linux platform. Right. So he's right away trying to get in Elliot's head, right? Like I see a lot of like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, like in that it's very true. brief interaction with him. The thing that's funny though is that KDE is not really exactly what you think about when you think about a very advanced hacker, but neither is now if you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these mid-grade, these middle management type hackers, I don't know what we're going to do with them. So now we get a glimpse of Elliot's home life. We get a good look at his apartment. We get to meet his uh, fish named Quirty, which is pretty great. I feel like that's the only kind of pet he could have. It really is good for him, isn't it? Other than that, though, I feel like home life is not so good. No, it really doesn't seem to be that way. Um, because the one quote that really sticks out to me here is, so Elliot has these, like, sobbing... Fit is not the word I want to use. Like, maybe you have a better word, but... And, and the question he kind of asks, like, to, to us, his, like, friend out there, is, you know, what other people do when they get this sad. Yeah, because he talks about reaching out to friends and family, but with somebody um, with the kind of social problems that Elliot experiences, that isn't really an option for him. We find out that um, what he does is kind of self-destructive. He actually has started taking morphine. Um, right, which he buys from his neighbor Shayla. And so this is where we meet Shayla. So Shayla, uh, in my notes I've written that she's our uh, drug dealer with a heart of gold and very serious boundary issues. <laughs> Poor Shayla. <laughs> she really is an unfortunate character. Yeah, like she, uh, but I think she's established right away as kind of good-hearted. Like oh, she kind very. of cares about Elliot. They have really good chemistry. And he feels safe with her. And so we sort of see that's his neighbor slash supplier. Um, and then of course, you know, she'll get into the story more as it evolves too. So Elliot and Shayla end up becoming pretty good friends. Um, after spending the night together, he gets a notification about Chris's um, shitty boyfriend, Michael Hansen. They're out on a date together, and you can see this on Instagram. Right. And so uh, I also hate Michael Hansen. And, uh, and he's Chris the therapist's shitty boyfriend, because the next time we see Michael Hansen, he's on the street, and he's just being a dick to his tiny, adorable dog which is just so upsetting. It really is. I feel like there's no uh, better indicator of people than what they will do to an animal. So, um, but here is a really good example of what we were talking about with uh, Elliot's social engineering. Right, um, at this point, uh, Michael has never met Elliot. So he's able to just walk up to Michael and say that he needs to call his mom and he wants to borrow his phone. What he actually does is use Michael's phone to call Elliot's phone. So now he is able to see that inbound phone number and figure out what Michael's phone number was. He deletes his phone number from the call history before giving it to Michael, and then he has his phone number, but he has no idea that it was taken. So once he has the phone number, he can do anything with that. He can go to Facebook and maybe look up your profile or your Twitter accounts, or use uh, even just the yellow pages. Or is it the white pages? <laughs> it used to... The yellow pages is the book, maybe? 
you know what? That feels so old school. Like, I know I still get a phone book, but I just use it to prop up the short side of a shelf. Yeah, I, or uh, propping up your laptop. Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, I'm, I'm amazed here that uh, Michael Hansen can be compassionate enough to lend his phone when he couldn't cut his dog some slack <laughs> for three seconds. Again, not, not a big fan of this Michael Hansen guy. Mm -hmm. um, so now he's, Elliot's got that information, and he's going to use that later. So, boom, foreshadowing. All right, so we leave Michael Hansen being a jerk on the sidewalk, and then later that evening, like really later that evening, like three in the morning, Elliot gets a call from his good buddy Angela, and he's called because she is in the office, and there has been a massive attack on E Corp, and she needs help figuring it out. Right, it's a massive uh, distributed denial of service attack where thousands and thousands of computers kind of try and dedicate all of their resources to draining all of yours. We see that they're not able to connect to any of their servers, and because of that, they're losing about $13 million an hour. So it's a really big company, and a hack like this has really big consequences. Angela knows that Elliot is one of the only people who's skilled enough to address a problem like this, so he gets called in. Um, we find out, though, that it's not only a distributed denial of service attack. Um, he looks at the process list and sees that somebody has actually logged into the servers. So they're not just being attacked, they're also being invaded. And somebody has installed a rootkit, which is... Um, a special kind of malware that kind of exists outside the site of your operating system and your antivirus and uh, other software like that. Um, he knows that if any of the servers are restarted, that actually just propagates the virus. But the truth is this scene is one of the more um, gratuitous uses of <laughs> hacker sci-fi because a lot of it doesn't really make sense. A lot of the interfaces that he looks at are not real software, they're just uh, art. Um, but it, it does kind of go to demonstrate that Elliot is a very skilled and capable engineer who's able to kind of figure out what's going wrong, what the attacker's attention is, intention is, sorry, and how to address that. Now, are, are you talk about the interfaces in the show? Are they normally pretty accurate? They're accurate in every scene except this one. Oh, really? Honest. Yeah. That's so interesting. So this is basically this is a plot device. Yes. Right? They need to turn up the heat, and Elliot needs to save the day. Yeah. And there's a reason Elliot needs to save the day. It's because the attackers are actually trying to get his attention specifically. Once he has uh, addressed the problem, he starts looking at the log files to kind of get an idea of who might have launched this attack. And he finds out that um, on, on the machines, they've actually left a message for him. They don't want him to delete this file that they've left there, and he doesn't really know why yet. But he knows that somebody is trying to reach out to him, and that really makes him interested. He doesn't delete the file. So you're saying, so he leaves it there, he doesn't know what to do with it. Would it normally be his job to delete that? It could be, because it could potentially be malware. But if it's just um, a DAT file in this case, it's, it's kind of just arbitrary data that they've left behind. But that is literally what DAT means. It could be anything. Right, and so I was like, I like this part. So, and the file is called F Society. Right, and he doesn't really know what that means yet. Right, he doesn't know what that means, and so here is interesting because this gets back into, you know, how paranoid is Elliot and how much of this is real? And so he's thinking, like, oh, this is a signal to me. They've left a message for me. And, of course, because he's worried that he's being followed and watched at all times. This kind of heightens his own paranoia, mm -hmm. but he also knows this is something significant. Yeah, and for somebody in his position, it's probably difficult to tell what's real and what's not because this could just be another hallucination. Um, Near the end of the scene, Gideon puts his hand on Elliot's shoulder to congratulate him, but he kind of cringes when he remembers that Elliot doesn't like to be touched. It's some pretty funny continuity. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> this is a good scene. I was like, it's a good scene because, of course, it does sort of advance the F Society plot. 
and it is heightening that hacker threat. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I mean, for Elliot, I was like, I think the show does a really good job of it doesn't romanticize mental health issues. Like, Elliot is genuinely suffering. Right, and we see this in a lot of characters throughout the series. Right, exactly. So it's not so much like he's a tortured genius. It's sort of he's able to do this in spite of all of the other challenges that he's got in his life. And so I, I like that. And then I have so much anxiety when I watch this show. Does this, it make you feel anxious inside your guts? <laughs> this is a very stressful scene. They even have um, a very... Um, intense music playing that kind of gets your heart beating. Well, you know what's funny? In shows, I don't even usually notice music, but in this show, I hear it. I hear, like, so clearly notice when it changes. I like the music in this show so much that when I'm coding, I listen to the soundtrack just to kind of get in the mood. Oh my god, I listen to it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> we're also, we're going to cut in some songs uh, from the show as we go along because, uh, man, there's some uh, some real bangers in that yeah. soundtrack. Um so yeah, I find that interesting. The use of music is really strong, um, and it's also it's pop and classical and other pieces that I think are just score that's written for the show. Mm -hmm. But that's part of why I think it's like how they say, what is that? Is it in Poltergeist where it's supposed to be like the sound of bees at a subconscious <laughs> level that makes you like feel so terrified when you watch it? There are all kinds of weird audio tricks you can pull that kind of induce anxiety. Really? Yeah. Are they pulling them, do you think? Or do you think the pieces are just like anxiety fraught <laughs> pieces? I, I think that they probably are just anxiety fraught pieces because um, I know I'm going with that, sorry. <laughs> I think that's all you're in. It's yeah. funny, when I said, isn't bees, you're just shaking your head at me, where you're like, where is she going with this yeah, bee thing? I haven't seen what you're talking about. <laughs> Neither have I. I only read an article about it once. <laughs> but it's basically about subliminal messaging yeah. in music. Like, if we play the record of this show backwards later, it'll be a message from the devil <laughs> or whatever. All right, so I think that's all we need to talk about, about the DDoS attack. Yeah. So then they're flying back on the plane. And so this is my least favorite scene in the whole whole episode and it's because so I mean I get that it's a first episode so they're trying to cram in a lot of expository information but as they're flying back Gideon just kind of like barfs up that he's gay and that he doesn't like talking about his sex life and it's just such a weird thing for your boss to do it sounds like something that might happen if he works at uber maybe but I think that um, it, it's always nice to have a, a very diverse cast, and I think that Mr. Robot normally is very good at that. But in yeah, this case, there's stuff I want to say about that later, too. In this case, it kind of just seemed like they shoehorned it in a little bit. I agree, because the thing is, there are later Gideon home scenes where this would have come up more organically yeah. instead of just being like, hey, hey, look, we wrote a gay character into the script, and he is also powerful equal. Yeah. So anyway, I don't, I just don't like the way they do it. It feels unnatural. It feels and kind it, of like tokenism or whatever. Yeah, so it just, it feels weird to me, and it's my least favorite scene, and of course, uh, then it is over. There's not really anything else that happens in that scene. That's the, per the point of that scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is the whole point of that scene, and that's why it annoys me. <laughs> So Elliot gets off of this very awkward plane ride and now he's just on the way home. He gets on the subway and um, like you see sometimes there's somebody on the subway who's just shouting at him and it's kind of weird, right? It's really weird and the thing is if you think about it, we actually saw this man like just briefly earlier shouting at Elliot on the subway but you just kind of brush it off at the time. But now we see that actually he's wearing a shirt that says Mr. Robot, right? So we know he's the title character, we know something important is about to happen. But it's such a weird scene. Like first, so Mr. Robot is Christian Slater, who I haven't seen since the 80s, but here he is. Um, and it's, the other thing that weirds me about, about this scene is that like, he lights up a cigarette on the subway. Who does that? 
Like, nobody smokes on TV anymore. <laughs> Only in Mad Men, really. <laughs> right. But it's so, like, it's so obvious that even, like, Elliot calls him out on it. <laughs> but it's, um, so what's, what I like about this scene is it kind of validates Elliot's feelings that he's been followed, right? Because this guy's, like, returned. And he has a plan for Elliot because he asked him to get off the subway with him. And I'm going to steal a line from one of my current favorite podcasts, Read All Over, which um, is a Handmaid's Tale podcast. But at some point they say, you should never follow a white man to a second location. <laughs> but that's that exactly what laugh. Elliot does. Right? So they get off the subway. And then who knows what happens next. All right. So Elliot survives his trip to the second location. What's funny is there are a lot of times in this episode where just men whisk him away to different places. <laughs> but anyway, so we get there and it's actually this weird, like, abandoned arcade. And we see that it used to be called the Fun Society. It used to be. It used to be. I don't know how much fun actually happens there anymore. So the only thing that's left on the sign is F Society. So now that pulls all of that back together, back to that dot file. So we know he's somewhere very important. And then... Um, I don't know why the Ferris wheel still works, but they go on the Ferris wheel, Elliot and Mr. Robot, Yeah. right? I guess they just wanted a secluded area or something like that. It's just to be of like, it's just so obvious that this abandoned Ferris wheel is running. Like, it's just so funny to me. And I'm but, afraid of Ferris wheels that are perfectly functioning. So I can't really imagine getting in a rickety Ferris wheel with somebody who just abducted me from the subway. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, so we see bad decision making, a lot of bad decision making <laughs> happening. But Mr. Robot has, what seems like a kind of far-fetched but kind of attractive proposition, right? Right. He wants to hack uh, the world's financial systems and erase everybody's debt, all of their consumer loans, all of their student debt, and he just wants to perform the biggest act of wealth redistribution that the world has ever seen. At this point in the episode, I'm ready to join F Society. <laughs> he does a good job of selling it to Elliot. He really does. So, you know, I I'm sold, Elliot's sold. But I think Elliot's skeptical of him. He has reason to be. Well, I guess nothing that he's done so far shows him to be uh, a reasonable or trustworthy individual, right? And so I think he's got a lot of lofty promises, right? Like, because what does he say? Is, what does he say they're going to do? Because they already have plans of society, right? Right. Uh, well, they have some more grandiose plans, but their most direct plan is that they want to frame Terry Colby, that executive from earlier in the episode, for this big uh, DDoS and intrusion attack. I don't know if you can arrest people for wearing a Blackberry holster, <laughs> but that for sure at least deserves like a fashion citation. Yeah. <laughs> the, the manner that they use to frame Terry is a little suspect because what they do is place his terminal's IP address inside that dat file, which is supposed to indicate that he had logged into those servers from his own laptop. But um, it's been proven several times in actual courts that an IP address doesn't necessarily prove someone's identity. Okay, so I was going to say, but this is the plan that they have. Yes. And the other thing we should say about this scene is that we just very briefly meet Darlene. Darlene's a very interesting character. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about her as we go on. She doesn't really do very much in the scene, though. She just has a chance to shoot Elliot a very kind of suspicious look, like she's wondering what he's doing there. I feel like that's her default look. <laughs> it's just a resting face. Yeah, her resting suspicion face. <laughs> <laughs> So F Society has a pretty good plan to frame uh, Terry Colby, but Elliot still isn't really sold on this idea yet. He has a lot to lose by partnering with these people who can kind of get him into a lot of trouble if he didn't play all of his cards right. So he goes into work tomorrow kind of business as usual. 
He's in this meeting uh, at Allsafe where some E-Corp executives, including Terry Colby, have come in to discuss this major attack that happened over the past few days. Right, and so I was gonna say, in every episode, um, I'm gonna pinpoint for you the exact moment where my heart breaks in two. And in this episode, where uh, what just crushes me, so Angela is actually the account executive on the E-Corp file, right? Um, and in the meeting, she is just steamrolled, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think why my heart breaks in two is I feel like this is probably the experience of every young woman in a business meeting where it just they treat her like she has no credibility or capability at all. Yeah. She's really not very poorly, sorry, she's really not very fairly treated in that scene. Well, they actually take her out of the meeting. Like, he picks up her papers and walks her out. Yeah, not really subtle at all. I would be weeping in my cubicle. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe in the bathroom, I don't know. One or the other. One or the other, maybe both, probably. Just <laughs> maybe cubicle to the bathroom. <laughs> what I really like about this, too, is Elliot tries to be a good man ally here. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, he also kind of risks coming across as condescending, though. Because after this meeting, when he gets to speak to Angela, she kind of um, lets him know that she doesn't need his protection. She just wants to be able to make her own decisions. Right. Oh, that complicates it. See, because I find it interesting, once she's out of the room, he says to the other men, he says, like, well, what happened to her? Mm -hmm. But I guess if I were her, too, maybe I don't need a white knight to come <laughs> save me. Yeah. All right. So maybe, maybe I'm not sure how to feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so it was like they get through this meeting and Elliot has information, right, that these guys don't have. And he has a choice to make. Yeah, yeah. Elliot right now, he's brought two sets of documents to this meeting. What he plans to do is to turn in F society. He just wants this all to be done with, him not to get into any trouble. And he thinks that this is the easiest way to go about it. But when he sees how ruthless Terry Colby is to Angela in this meeting, he kind of has a change of heart. He puts away the documents that um, involve F society and he decides instead that he is going to proceed with framing Terry Colby by using the dat file that includes his IP address. Who the plot thickens. <laughs> so there's actually not a lot left in this episode. So the only things that I think are really important for, for you to know, uh, friend, are that uh, we, uh, we do see, in fact, Elliot finds out watching the news that Terry Colby has been arrested. So plan set in motion and also what Mr. Robot foretold right. is all coming true. Uh-huh. It kind of goes to show you that Mr. Robot wasn't really talking nonsense. His plan actually is in motion and it's going to have some very serious consequences. Elliot sees that, that uh, Terry has been hacked by looking at a TV because it's on every TV in the middle of Times Square. It's a really, really yes. big deal in this universe. So it's such a big deal that while he is outside celebrating, some presumably FBI agents come up and they ask him to get into a, a big black Escalade. So for maybe the fourth or fifth time in this episode, he's getting whisked off by some random men he doesn't recognize. And this time- And he just goes with them every time. Yeah, well, what can you really do in this circumstance? Okay, I mean, fair, all right. <laughs> but he, he gets brought back to Evil Corp and um, he meets somebody who we saw once in this episode before. Um, and I'm so scared for him. I'm so scared for him this whole time. Right, because all he really hears is Bonsoir Elliot, and he has no idea what to think because that's how the episode closes. Exactly. So we'll, uh, we'll pick this up when we come back to do uh, the recap of episode two. So thanks for listening to the first episode of Mr. Rewatch. This show is recorded in downtown Toronto. And if you like the show, consider donating to the Tor Project. We're highlighting them today because they provide private internet access to activists all around the world. I'm Devlin. And I'm Erin. Bonsoir. <laughs>